You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. All right, Freddie, forget Kirshner. What's your bottom line? Primary residence, 30% of remaining assets. What are you, nuts? Have you forgotten Kirshner? Freddie, it's a negotiation. See you at the preliminary. Freddie, we're all friends here. It's a negotiation. In the movie Intolerable Cruelty, George Clooney plays a divorce lawyer for whom negotiations are a zero-sum game, and he's there to win the game at all costs, certainly at the cost of honesty. While Clooney's character is exaggerated, some lawyers do view negotiations as games to be won, adversarial contests where ethical standards are not necessarily part of the rules. A new research study looks at honesty among lawyers in negotiations. Joining me is the study's author, Taya Cohen, a professor at Carnegie Mellon University's Tepper School of Business. Why did you decide to study lawyers, Taya? Lawyers in the law is an interesting context to study honesty because lawyers face great tension in deciding how honest they should be when negotiating and in other areas of their work. And specifically, the tension between client advocacy and honesty, and specifically honest disclosure, I think can be really challenging for lawyers to navigate. Will you explain what you call game framing in negotiations? So we think of game framing as the opposite of an ethical decision frame. Game frame of negotiation is a cognitive construal of negotiation as an adversarial context with arbitrary and artificial rules. The idea here is that when you think of a situation as a game, you generally think of it as a competitive context. The goal is to win, but also a situation where how you behave doesn't say anything about who you are or your character. So then negotiations don't necessarily involve game framing. Correct. So when we enter into a negotiation or think about negotiating, we can think of what this situation is. We can ask ourselves, what are the norms that apply to this situation? And some people view negotiations as a serious situation, that how they act says something about who they are. 
that the goal is to solve a problem, that you're working with the other side to solve a problem, and this has been discussed as an integrative approach to negotiation. Others might see negotiation very competitively, where the goal is to win. And what's new in our work is this idea of a game frame is not just seeing a negotiation as very competitive, as win-lose, but also seeing it as a situation where the rules are arbitrary, where the line between appropriate and inappropriate conduct is arbitrary, that the ethical standards in negotiation are no more binding or real than any other social custom. And the idea is when we see a negotiation as competitive, where you're really trying to win, and also where people might be willing to win at all costs, that's going to set the stage potentially for dishonest behavior. People often say they want a lawyer who'll be tough and aggressive in negotiations. Is that the lawyer you're describing who basically puts winning above everything else, above the rules, above ethics? It can be, and certainly lawyers vary in their approach. When I think about negotiations by lawyers or others, I think there certainly can be some short-term advantages of dishonesty or a competition or this very aggressive win-lose kind of approach. But there's certainly disadvantages to that as well. There's disadvantages in your reputation in terms of trustworthiness, potentially, and how willing others are to work with you. The majority of negotiations lawyers engage in, they're trying to work with another party and trying to elicit concessions. If people that you're negotiating with respect you, find you trustworthy, think of you as generally honest, they'll be more likely to make concessions in many cases, and you'll be better able to have some kind of agreements that satisfy interest. And so I think it varies a bit depending on what type of law and the kinds of cases, but certainly there is some prior work that suggests that lawyers see ethics as important to success, and lawyers who take a problem-solving approach can be successful, especially if they're able to maintain a positive reputation and build trust while they're negotiating so they can get concessions from the other side. What was your aim in the study you did? So our aim was to advance our understanding of honesty and highlight how there are many situations lawyers face where there's not clear rules regarding when honest disclosure is required. And so often when we think of honesty, we think of lying being the opposite of it. But there's other situations where there's much more complexity in that it's not about sort of avoiding lying, but what is the obligation of a lawyer or any other negotiator to disclose information, for example, to correct the misimpression held by the counterpart. And so we started this line of work to understand what our lawyers believe about disclosure and how willing they would be to correct opposing counsel's misimpressions when they're not ethically obligated to, according to the Bar Association rules, for example. As part of your study, you gave more than 200 lawyers a moral character exam. Tell us what you asked them. Sure. So there are many psychology studies that have uh, looked at moral character. And in my prior work, we've identified characteristics of people who are more versus less likely to behave ethically. And so in this particular project, we looked at three broad traits that relate to people's willingness to behave ethically and morally responsibly. So we included several items in our survey that look at the broad trait of honesty, humility. And so these are items that ask people to respond to questions like, I find it difficult to lie. 
uh, or I want to be famous, uh, which would be reversed. Um, I'm entitled to special treatment. I'd like to know how to make lots of money in a dishonest manner. This is a general statement about oneself and sort of attitudes towards lying or honesty and humility is that dimension. Uh, we also ask people care, uh, questions about their moral identity. Being someone who has moral characteristics is an important part of who I am, you know, with specific characteristics outlined. And then the scale that uh, I think encapsulates moral character very well is one that I developed several years ago uh, to look at guilt proneness. And the idea here is that some people, when they do something wrong or imagine doing something wrong, are more likely to feel bad about their behavior than are others. And if you are likely to anticipate feeling guilty, um, that is associated with a greater sense of personal responsibility. And I've shown in prior work that this is related to a person's moral character and ethical behavior. So a sample item from the guilt proneness questionnaire is realizing you have received too much change at a store, you decide to keep it because the sales clerk doesn't notice. What's the likelihood that you would feel uncomfortable about keeping the money? And so we included... 14 items in this moral character questionnaire and ask lawyers to respond to these questions by indicating their agreement with the various statements. Tell us about your findings. Well, we found that lawyers varied in how they responded to these moral character questions. Overall, lawyers who had lower levels of moral character, according to our questionnaire, were more likely to apply a game frame to their negotiation. And also, lawyers who had rated themselves lower in moral character were more willing to move forward to settlement without correcting misimpressions. Or the other way of mentioning that is lawyers who were higher in moral character were more willing to be honest, to proactively disclose honest information to correct their counterparts' views. And lawyers who are higher in moral character agreed less with the questions we asked them about game framing. This is an oversimplification, but if the question is, are you prone to feelings of guilt, and someone answers yes then are they less likely to be a game player? Conceptually, that's the idea, that when people are asked to imagine doing something wrong and they're asked the extent to which they would feel bad about their behavior, the more likely they are to say that, yes, they would feel bad about this transgression they committed, the less likely they are to view negotiations through a game frame. Let's say a lawyer discovers this about himself or herself. Is there a way to change your moral character, or is that something that's part of you? I see moral character, uh, similar to other aspects of a person's personality, as akin to a habit. And much like a habit, we have choices about how we behave, but we develop certain patterns over the courses of our lives. Sometimes these emerge early on. Um, they're a result of you know, different experiences we have, things about who we are. Um, and so when we're um, under stress, when we're not thinking much about our behavior, we can fall into our habitual patterns. Um, but like a habit, we can change. And so I think if uh, a person um, thought, uh, responded to a questionnaire um, and got feedback saying that they were relatively low on moral character, maybe compared to peers, then that would be something for them to reflect on. And they could consider whether that is something they would want to change, or is that an accurate reflection of who they are and their beliefs? Um, and so in every situation we're in, we have choices about how ethically or responsibly, honestly, to behave. 
right? And um, I don't think a person's moral character forces them to behave in a certain way, but rather it's a tendency that um, that people have to behave in a, a certain way, especially when they're not thinking about it. Did you find any differences in the answers based on the sex or age of the lawyer? We did not find any strong gender differences in honest disclosure, um, and I didn't necessarily expect to. But we did find some differences with women reporting higher moral character than men. That's consistent with prior work. But age and experience were one where we thought we might have seen some differences um, with maybe more experience or older lawyers being more willing to honestly disclose information or have differences in character. We, We didn't see that. And prior work does suggest that people mature as they get older throughout the lifespan, and we might expect more honesty or a higher moral character as people get older. But we didn't see any difference there. Another um, question, so not really a surprise, but a question that we aren't able to answer with the current data is whether lawyers differ in their views of game framing, their willingness to be honest according to what area they practice in. And there's certainly prior work looking at people's conflict management and negotiation styles and how that might differ between practice areas. So I think that would be an interesting question to pursue in, in future work. Law students and young lawyers are encouraged to think like a lawyer, to be a zealous advocate for their clients. And our legal system itself is adversarial. So does that training lead to seeing things through a game frame? I think it's a great question, and it's one we plan to study further. I've been in conversations with law professors about this, and I think it's certainly possible that the way law students are trained could elicit these views of negotiation as a game to be won, where ethical standards are fairly arbitrary, potentially, or that how they behave doesn't reflect anything about their true character. I don't think law school necessarily trains students that way, but there could be confusion between zealous advocacy and client loyalty and obligation to the justice system. There, I think, is a lot of training in law schools, I understand it, about client advocacy, and there are certainly required courses about the rules for professional conduct, but often when young lawyers are faced with these situations, they might not be fully prepared to navigate these situations. Um, and with experience, hopefully people become more adept at, at navigating these tensions between honesty and advocacy. And so uh, that's a long way of saying I think it's an open question. But certainly the competitive nature of law school combined with a focus during law school training on client advocacy could make game framing more likely. You also write, if students enter law school with high moral character and an ethical frame of negotiation, but are later encouraged through their law school training to adopt a game frame or behave in ways that run counter to their own sense of right and wrong, it could lead to a mismatch resulting in ethical conflict, psychological distress, emotional exhaustion, and worse. Would you explain that for me further? I understand that there's a great dissatisfaction among many lawyers in the profession, and this has been documented. It's unclear why that is the case. To the extent that people enter law school or enter their professions with a certain set of values, and then they feel that to be effective or to be successful, they cannot act consistently with their values, I think that can lead to distress. So I think it's an interesting question to consider of how law students' values might change or how much tension they might feel. 
as they enter their careers um, between what they think it re is required to be successful um, versus what their own personal standards might be. Um, and so to the extent that there is some mismatch between the values that are uh, prevalent in the profession and the norms and expectations and what people might feel going in um, or their own personal values outside of that context, then it could give rise to some tension or dissatisfaction or worse. Thanks for being on the show, Taya. That's Taya Cohen, a professor at Carnegie Mellon University's Tepper School of Business. And that's it for this edition of the Bloomberg Law Show. Remember, you can always get the latest legal news by listening to our Bloomberg Law podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm June Grosso, and you're listening to Bloomberg. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.